0: What's happening, folks? It's your old Tucker buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent February 15th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramchuran, the podcast. How you doing, folks? Glad to see you. We're a little bit late here this week on Jonathan Ramcharan the podcast. Um, it's been a week of introspection, a lot of learning, a lot of heartbreak, tears, tears of joy, tears of pain, tears of a clown, tears of a uh, whatever the fuck, I'm not a scholar. Anyways, it's been a week of introspection, to say the least, and um, the theme that I have come away with after this week of soul-searching is the theme, letting go. Letting go. It's been a major theme that I have um, thought about this week. And it's not always easy, the idea of letting go. Sometimes it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to let go. You know, sometimes when you let go of a fart, you know, sometimes when you get loose better than Mother Goose, you know, you know, that's a doozy, right? Sometimes it can be quite embarrassing. I remember one occasion I was at a nightclub. I was having a gay old time and uh, I'm at this nightclub and I'm ascending This winding staircase, quite fetching, quite beautiful, this winding staircase. And as I'm ascending the winding staircase, this poor unfortunate below me, uh, he caught the backdraft, a little bit of a whiff of what I was rocking with, right? I was like, you know, ah, thought nobody would notice, right? Silent, but deadly. All of a sudden, this poor unfortunate bozo behind me, right? He goes, um... <laughs> he farted. He farted. He gets to belly aching and complaining, you know, letting everybody know he farted. He farted. <laughs> hooting and harlot, hooting, hooting, and hollering over just a measly little fart, right? I, you know, I was mortified, right? I was like, oh, oh. everybody at the nightclub, um, they're like, oh, oh, you know. It was a faux pas. So sometimes it could be very embarrassing, you know, letting go. You know, you let go of a fart. Sometimes uh, it breaks your heart, letting go. Um, Back in my younger days, uh, well, I still am young, 33-year-old man. But as a youth, as a juvenile delinquent, um, I had taken a crush upon a very fetching young lady. She was a cashier at this um, grocery store in my neighborhood. very fetching young lady, and I had taken a liking to her, a little bit of a lover's crush, right? One of those hot and heavy situations. Unfortunately, it was one sided, you know. So one day I go over to the grocery store right and you know i I'm, I'm fitting I'm fitting to woo her, right. So I go over to the to the flower department at the grocery store, and I pick out a beautiful bouquet of flowers, right? Something that really says, suck my dick with honesty, you know? Juvenile delinquent shit, right? I was 16, right? Horny, in love, misguided. So I was looking for like a suck my dick bouquet of flowers, because, um, you know, I'm trying to be funny here. In hindsight, I was just madly in love, right? So I buy this bouquet of flowers, and... I go over to the cashier, right? And I'm standing there with this bouquet of flowers, right? And she and she's like working the till, right? She's a cashier. Beep, beep, beep. She's just like scanning items in, right? And I'm just standing there with my, my bouquet, right? Uh, uh, and I get nervous, right? So then I start like impulse buying, right? Like, you know how when you're at a grocery store, they have like magazines, you know... Um, People Magazine, National Enquirer, um, you know, Archie Comics, Betty and Veronica, Jughead, Double Digest, right? So I'm like, uh, I'm standing there with my bouquet of flowers, right? I'm like, uh, uh, give me a fucking Jughead, Double Digest, uh, Betty and Veronica, Double Digest. Give me an Archie um, pack of fucking chewing gum, Dentine Ice. And um, oh, by the way, here's some flowers. Love me. She's like... <coughs> I have a boyfriend, right, real, real kick to the old scrotum of love, right, and I'm just like, oof, she had the nerve to ring up the flowers, right, she's just like, beep, and she rings up the flowers, stuffs them in a bag, along with my fucking Jughead Double Digest, pack of fucking chewing gum, so then I had to sidle out of the fucking grocery store with my tail between my legs, you know go dump the fucking flowers in a dumpster, you know, along with my heart. So sometimes letting go can be painful, break your heart, you know. And let's be honest, I have never really gotten over this. (laughs) Not kidding, but you know, it can break your heart letting go, you know. Letting go of a situation that you want so deep in your heart. And these are some of the learnings and introspection that I've been playing with this past week on Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. So please excuse my tardiness, but this is going to be a great episode filled with a lot of, um, I hope, relatability to the viewer slash listener. And it's going to be a banger. And I thank you very much for your endurance. So if you're new to the show... Janeth Aramcher on the podcast. I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service. Diploma in theater arts. Thespian to the bone, ladies and gentlemen. I was born for this. And at the top of 2020, uh, I was very excited. I had a couple auditions lined up. Well, they shit the bed. You know, they're in the gutter. And... That's a part of the theme of letting go, right? Sometimes you'll find yourself in a situation that is less than desirable and you have to separate your ego from the matter and know when to walk away. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. Know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be plenty of time for counting. When the dealin's done. On a dark, dusty cobweb. On a train bound for nowhere. I met up with a gambler. And he sucked my cock. Sometimes you gotta know when to hold up and know when to fold up. Right? So at the top of this year, 2020. I have this very fetching audition lined up it was going to be a short film that would later evolve into a feature film a full length film so that was the idea this production company was making a short film that would later evolve into a feature film so I sent them my headshot I sent them my resume and you know I got a response they hit me up with this response, this long-winded, wind-beg, babble, bleep, 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 bleep. this fucking pompous, fucking blathering, bumbling, bozo email. Oh, hello there, Jonathan. This is so-and-so of whatever... Production company. Thank you very much for your interest in our film. We are going to be producing this film mid February of this year, and we're very excited to learn about you and to connect with yourself and other artists. You can see our work showcased on various networks, various websites. This fucking babbling Dr. Seuss, Mother Goose, Cat in the Hat, fake ass fucking artiste artisanal fucking windbag pompous fucking email from these fucking bozo, dummy fucking artist filmmakers, right? Just a fucking long roundabout way of saying, we will get back to you. Well, what do you know? They didn't get back to me. (laughs) And, you know, there's several ways to look at that in regards to um, letting go, you know. On one hand, it's almost a blessing. Because the idea behind this short film was, it was going to be a a superhero-type action short film. Now, if you've ever lived a day in this world, and you've ever opened your fucking eyes you will notice around you this thing called Hollywood. And a trend that Hollywood has been rocking for like the past decade has been like superhero franchise blockbusters. Ballbusters, you know? The Marvel Universe, you know? I'm talking Tony Stark, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., Fucking Thor, that Nordic god, that sexy white man with the flowing golden locks. I'm talking Samuel Jackson with a fucking eye patch. Shaft. You goddamn right. Who's that fucking black bald motherfucker with a eye patch? Shaft. You goddamn right. You know you got fucking Samuel Jackson in an eye patch. You got Scarlett Johansson, Scar Jo, squeezed into a very fetching. Tight, taut fucking spandex, you know, whatever. What is she, Black Widow or something? Whatever she is. Scar Joe looking fetching. You got that coy Mark Ruffalo with those, with that tussled boyish mop and those doe eyes, you know. Bruce Banner, the Hulk, you know. <laughs> you know, Mark Ruffalo. So it's like the whole Marvel Universe, Avengers. Then you got Spider Man. Then you got Wolverine. Then you got the DC world, you know? Batman. The Watchmen. The Watchmen on HBO. These are blockbuster, high-budget, high-concept superhero franchises. The best of the best. So if you're going to venture into that world, you got to be coming with a... Um, special effects slash action that's going to match or surpass what has already been done by these (laughs) blockbuster franchises. You got to be able to rock with that. Or B, you got to have like character-driven, really engaging characters, dialogue, writing, basically, which... (laughs) You can pretty much assume your run-of-the-mill, Joe Blow-off-the-Street production company ain't really coming with, right? So it's like you have a lot against you, as it is, if you want to venture into the world of superhero filmmaking. So, you know, it was almost a blessing, because I was looking at this, and I was like, well... This has embarrassment written all over it, you know? And as I mentioned, you know, having my heart broken by that fucking bitch of a cashier, you know, farting in public, being laughed at, you know, I've had enough heartbreak and tears, embarrassment in my life. Do I really want to be flopping and floundering and, you know, rolling around like some dummy in spandex in some fucking goofball, hair-brained, independent superhero film? Sounds stupid, right? So, you know, sometimes an opportunity, sometimes when you are denied access to a situation, perhaps it's a blessing, you know what I mean? And you just have to let it go. And on a more positive note, um, my hat, if I was wearing one, my hat is off to um, that production company because they were surmounting a very ambitious undertaking. Filmmaking, whether it be a short film, let alone a feature film, but but filmmaking. There are so many variables. Um, Script, cast, crew, budget, location, um, equipment, transportation food services scheduling you know daylight versus nighttime hours sometimes it's down to the lighting you know you can only sh- you can only shoot during various times of the day because the lighting is at the most opportune moment so there's all sorts of constrictions and variables involved in filmmaking so it could also just be a situation where this production company got a little overwhelmed and things have been postponed. Perhaps I got lost in the mix. Perhaps I'll hear from them six months, down the, six, six months down the line, seven months down the line, whatever. So there are a lot of factors that come into play and that's a part of learning how to let go and go with the flow you know? And as an actor extraordinaire, I have other things uh, on my plate. You better believe it. Um, I'm very inspired as a performer, actor extraordinaire. If you go on my YouTube channel, Jonathan Ramcharan on YouTube, I have a section. It's a playlist section called J.R. the P. Snips. J.R. the P. Snips. And in that section, you can see some of the narrated works that I have done. I narrate, you know, urban legends. I narrate poems. I narrate um, original pieces, stuff that I wrote. And it's all in the spirit of audio play, radio theater, kind of a hearken and a throwback to my day's Growing up, listening to old-time radio, I'm a very big fan. You know, the CBC, the CBS, the CBS Mystery Theater presents. You know, all that type of shit. You know, suspense. You know, there's a lot of great radio dramas. You know that that are near and dear to me, and um, in that spirit is what I do. Those narrated works. So, um, going forward as an actor extraordinaire, very blessed to do so. And it's all about letting go. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. I am also an alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah, three plus years of continuous consecutive sobriety. And, you know, what I'm dealing with or what I'm rocking with in this day and age is um, being sober three plus years and learning how to let go in my recovery and not trying to bend. You know, not trying to bend things to my will. You know, if you go out there and you look in life, there's a lot of people trying to bend certain situations to their will, to their desire. And that's true in recovery as well, you know. For example, one of my favorite bands on planet Earth, Rage Against the Machine. One of my favorite bands. They encompass my favorite genres of music. I'm a big rap fanatic, funk fanatic, metal fanatic, you know. It's just like, Such a great mix of my favorite types of music. I dig the music. I dig the lyrics. Always been a big fan. And they'd been split up for several years. And now they're back in action. Out on the road. Out on tour. And they're coming to, you know, venues across probably the world. But definitely North America this coming summer. They're touching down in Toronto in July. And... That's where I'm living, folks, in case you don't know. I hail out of Toronto, Canada. Canada. And, yo, it's like I have this opportunity to see them, but it's also like me bending a situation to my will. You know? I'm a sober man. And now that I'm sober, there's, there's just things that I have to let go I'm very blessed that I can walk into a bar, you know. I can walk into a restaurant. I can walk into pretty much any situation in this life and feel no need to drink, no impulse, no craving, no mental obsession, no nothing. It's in my past. And um and I'm not embarrassed or um What's the word? I don't feel embarrassment. I don't feel any shame in that. But I'm also aware that moving forward, there's just certain things that I can't indulge in. Like, for example, you can get triggered at any moment as a recovering person, you know? Like, like for example, this past summer, I went and I saw... Steve-O. Hey, kids. Do you like violence? Want to watch me stick nine-inch nails through each one of my eyelids? Shove fucking toy cars up my butthole and get fucked up worse than my life is, dude? It's me, steve You know, Steve-O of the jackass fame, you know? Stunt man extraordinaire, um, miscreant, American icon, and, um, now stand-up comedian. Yes, Steve-O. I went to see Steve-O at the Just for Laughs festival... I was just, you know, getting ready for a funny, entertaining evening, watching Steve-O. But as I'm standing in line for the Steve-O concert, (gasps) triggered, I'm looking around and it's like all these fanboys, you know, cracking beers, (coughs) you know, chain smoking, smoking blunts, you know, smoking cigarettes. You know, Steve-O, Steve-O, steve uh, right? And I was just like, holy fuck, right? I, I, you know, I'm getting a little triggered. And, you know, granted, I had a great time. Steve-O was hilarious. Hey, dude, you know, it's me, Steve-O. I'm finally in love. <laughs> that was part of the show, too. Good old Steve-O, he's in love now, right? <laughs> so he's up there talking about his love life, you know. After years of stapling your nuts to your thigh and sticking rockets up your butt, you know, it's really, really something, dude, to find that real special woman in your life. And I'm in love for the first time. Like, wow, Steve, I'm so happy for you, but I'm also, like, fucking crawling in my skin because there's, like, a sea, a mob of people smoking blunts <laughs> and drinking. Look, 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 you know, and acting crazy and I'm just sitting there in the audience like, oh, get the fuck out of here, right? And, you know, I was feeling triggered, but it was also the notion of I was trying to bend things to my will. I was trying to bend things to my will because I sat through like 20 minutes of the show and I was like, I was enjoying myself, but I just, there was a part of me was like, I just can't be here. And that's the truth of the matter. This is just too overwhelming. The fans were very respectful. They were very, you know, they were good, warm-hearted people. But they were partying. They were turning up, you know. It was a rock show, right? Stevo, for God's sakes. So people were really turning up. And it just wasn't my scene. And for me to sit there and pretend like it wasn't affecting me was me trying to bend my will, trying to make the situation fit my agenda. So that's what I'm dealing with in regards to Rage Against the Machine. They're going to be playing like Scotiabank Arena. That seats like 16,000 people. So 16,000 screaming rap metal fans, 16,000 screaming rap metal Rage Against the Machine fans, smoking blunts, drinking beers, turning up, celebrating, you know, the return of, like, their favorite band. As much as I want to be there, I can't bend the situation to my will. I'm going to be hotboxed in a room full of 16,000 screaming metal rap fans. They're going to be drinking, smoking, why i i don't need to be there it's just not my place and i humbly and anxiously await new music from rage against the machine you know i got their latest album um well you know the boys from rage um the instrumentalists from rage you know they teamed up with like chuck d be real they did uh prophets of rage that was a dope uh album I think it was just called self-titled Prophets of Rage. I got that album. That's dope. So I await the new music from Rage Against the Machine. But I can't be at the concert, you know? Maybe I'll have to just kick back on the couch, watch a couple YouTube videos of Rage in concert, you know? Crack a Diet Coke, you know, like a pussy. (laughs) I've turned into a pussy. But, um that's a that's that's the insight of letting go knowing when knowing when to just let go of a situation i'm no longer the 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 big concert going arena going guy you know what i mean like i'm blessed that i can go into a bar a cafe a restaurant I could go to a small venue and enjoy a show, but big stadium, drinking, secondhand marijuana smoke—I'm a pussy. I can't handle it, right? But hey, I'm very blessed. Three plus years of consecutive, consistent sobriety. And if you're out there and you're struggling, folks, I suggest try what I did. What I what I did was I joined a twelve-step program. That's nothing official. No dues, no fees, um, no emphasis on God, religion, none of that. It's um, purely about recovery. And these are groups that you can, groups and meetings that you can attend all over the world. That's how far the program reaches. You attend these meetings, you practice various steps of sobriety, various steps of sobriety you know, and you get to share on issues pertaining to your recovery. Then you get to listen. You get to hear from others about what's affecting them and their sobriety. So you become a part of a community and you learn and you come out of your isolation. And day by day, your days will add up. Then one day you'll find yourself in a new life. And you won't be trying to bend situations to your will. And you will be happy to let go of the dead past and move forward to a very real and alive future. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Janetha Ramcharan, alcoholic. Did you do what they told you? Did you do what they told you? you motherfucker yeah I'm gonna go have a diet coke that's gonna really be the same thing (sighs) sitting on on the couch twiddling my thumbs while everybody's out there having fucking fun jumping up and down mosh pitting, punching people in the head you know, all the angry fucking that's gonna be going on that night too did you do what I told you (gasps) (gasps) you know fucking water flying everywhere pre-ejaculated some water onto the floor there. Did you see that? Anyways, folks. Yep. I am also a janitor. Yep. I'm talking mop buckets, slop buckets, toilets, tampons, urinals, urinal cakes, garbage bins, recycle bins, organic waste bins, parking lots, the whole kit and caboodle, ladies and gentlemen. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. God made dirt and dirt bust your ass, you know? I push a little mop bucket, I dip the mop in the mop water, then I mop the floor, you know? I wash windows like an asshole, you know? I push a garbage trolley, you know? I, um, you know, vacuum. You know? And it's blessed. If it's good for the goose, then it's good for the gander. Um, as I mentioned, I am a recovering alcoholic. And having a nine to five keeps me focused, earning an honest living in my recovery, which I'm very blessed to do so. Because idle hands are the devil's playground. <laughs> idle hands are the devil's playground. Pardon me. So when you're twiddling your thumbs and twiddly-D and you're, you know, you're up to no good, that's when the evil thoughts can creep in and, you know, take over. So I'm very fortunate to be employed as a janitor. And as I also mentioned, I am an actor extraordinaire. And yo, takes money to make money, you know. There's expenses involved in any business, you know. Whatever you do, let's say you're a tradesperson. Well, you need to buy your tools. You need to pay for, um, you know, let's say you want to go to school to apprentice to become a, you know, a licensed plumber, a licensed mechanic. Um, let's say you're a scholar, academic, academic type of a dildo person. You want to go and read books and shit. Well, you got to pay for tuition, right? So as an actor, same deal. There's like things that come up. As I mentioned, I have a diploma in theater arts. And I recently paid off a student loan. Yes, I had taken out a student loan a few years back to study theater. And I recently paid it off due to my janitorial hustle. And... um that actually coincides with some of the insights of the week in regards to um, letting go. So I will speak on that shortly. Um, The janitorial hustle and, um, you know, the financial cost to pursue your goals. So that's coming up in the podcast. But, you know... If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. You know, I'm just going to keep pushing that mop bucket. <coughs> you know, keep washing them windows. <coughs> <coughs> you know, pushing the garbage trolley. <coughs> and, you know, vacuuming. <coughs> you know, and hey, hallelujah. So there you have it. Janitor Ramcharan, Janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. 11 years of service. And just as letting go has been a major theme in my acting, in my... um, And I'm not just saying this shit to blow fucking horse feathers up your ass or whatever. This is relatable across industry. Um, This is relatable and important to talk about. Because I feel, and what I see, in twenty twenty, we've had a rough start. We've had a rough start with you know the coronavirus, you know alleged threats of World War Three, U.S. Iran tensions, tensions that even um, extended to Iran and Canada. You know, the downing of Flight 752, a lot of casualties, Iranian and Canadian lives lost. And I think a few Ukrainian lives as well. The pain of casualties of war. So, you know, with all this negativity clouding up the beginning of 2020, It's like, it's so important to know what to let go of in order to move forward. And, you know, I'm beating this idea over your heads, ladies and gentlemen, because it's almost like the revelation I had this week in my own life. So I hope it's relatable to the audience, right? And it's definitely affecting my stand-up comedian life, you know? As a stand-up comedian extraordinaire, I've come to the point where it's like, there are several situations, like in any career, there are situations that are unavoidable, or at least seemingly unavoidable. Unavoidable is not the word. There are situations that are Um. Da, 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 da. I don't know. Standard. Standard situations, you know, like okay, for example, if you want to become a doctor, you got to go to med school, right? You want to become a plumber, well, you got to go to trade school. Same thing as a stand-up comedian. There's certain things that you have to do, which is like standard. But there also becomes a time in which you learn everything you can. In a given situation. And that's what I'm dealing with. As a stand-up comedian. Extraordinaire. I've come up against. A position. Where. I've learned everything I can. From. A certain situation. And all there is now is to. Let go. And move forward. And sometimes we say things to make ourselves feel better to pacify ourselves i don't know if you've ever noticed that in yourself but sometimes i do sometimes i say things to myself to pacify myself you know when i was you know spitballing and brainstorming for this show i was like you know well it feels good to let go and move forward with uh some of these things in my stand-up comedy career feels good to let go and move forward in my comedy career. Well, actually, it's more of a indifferent feeling. And if I'm completely honest, indifference borderlining on fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the next step. It doesn't feel good because it's like, it's like growing pains, you know? You got to put one thing down, let go of it in order to move forward, but the fear of what the future holds, the uncertainty, can cloud the mind if you're not living in the now and you're not living in, I guess, gratitude, faith, endurance, fill in the blank. But when you're coming from a negative outlook, trying to move forward in a situation, it's just not a good look. So, as I'm letting go of these situations that I have moved past in my career as a stand-up comedian. It's about letting go and having the gratitude and the, and the uh, faith in what it is that I do. And, you know, not being a victim to the fear of the mind. And that's relatable across industry, you know? If you're stepping up to bat and you don't think you're going to hit a home run, chances are you're not. (laughs) You know, if you pull your dick out to do a double penetration scene as a porn star, you're probably not going to get an erection if you don't believe you can do it, you know. Oh, I'm not a very good porn star. I don't fuck as good as so-and-so, you know. I don't have chlamydia. I've never caught a fucking gonorrhea virus what kind of a porn star am i i've never even had an sdd i can never double penetrate a bitch like the next man how are you supposed to fucking dp a bitch if you don't have the gumption you lack the gumption to be a fucking dp double penetrating porn star you gotta get that gumption you gotta get that gumption in the face of adversity when the gods are laughing at you. You'll never double penetrate a woman like the next man. You, what kind of a porn star are you? You're a nothing. You're a nobody. Why don't you go die of fucking old age, buddy? You'll never die of a fucking STD, you know? You gotta find that gumption in you. Yes, I am a porn star. Yes, I can double penetrate. And that's what I'm talking about. And I'm trying to find that gumption As a stand-up comedian extraordinaire and um, letting go, letting go of the negativity and holding on to the positivity. (laughs) As dumb as dumb and childish and, you know, obvious as that sounds, isn't that what it is? So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian. And those are the four... Things that sum me up at the moment: Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. Yeah, letting go. Letting go. Letting to and fro. Stop and go. Do you remember fucking what was that? Yeah, the sword and the stone. The sword and the stone. One of Walt Disney's classics. Well, aside from some of the, uh, you know, anti-Semite propaganda that he's been known to spew. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true or not, but, you know, allegedly. But one of the, uh, <laughs> and I don't condone that or agree with it, because I'm saying it's like one of the best. But um, one of the best um, pro-Jew um, <laughs> uh concoctions of Walt Disney um, The Sword and the Stone there was a song in there for every do there is a fro for every stop there is a go and that makes the world go round <clears throat> a little squeaky <clears throat> let me try that again <clears throat> do a little warm up here <clears throat> For every two there is a fro, for every stop there is a go, and that makes the world go round. You know, that's from The Sword in the Stone, Walt Disney, 1942, uh, or whenever the fuck it came out. But um, for every two there is a fro, for every stop there is a go, and that's what makes the world go round. You know, letting it go. You know, to suffer, to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. It's the parable of life, you know. It's just life in general. So, as I mentioned, actor extraordinaire, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. So where does janitor extraordinaire fit in? Well, I ain't no dummy. As I mentioned, I had a um, student loan that I had paid off this year. So, financially ahead. And aside from paying off the student loan, this past year, as a janitor extraordinaire, I'd been saving. I'd been squirreling away. That's the sound of a squirrel, by the way. You ever watch a squirrel run through a tree? watch them sometime they make that sound they're like running around and oh sorry so that's what I was doing all last year I was running around you know saving a little bit of money here saving a little bit of money there squirreling away all this money paying off a student loan squirreling up this money finally my harvest came in I had been planning to attend film school. Yes, that was the next step forward in my career as an actor, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. And I'd finally squirreled away the money, paid off some loans, busted my hump as a janitor. And I saw that as the next logical progression in my career because yo, you gotta do for yourself. You gotta get up and go, grab things and make it work for you. Whatever you do, right? Don't take no for an answer. Don't take don't take shit laying down. Whatever it is that you do, there's always a way, right? There's a way forward. And that's the way I saw. Let me and I don't want to give away my ideas actually, because you know <clears throat> While I'm giving out a very basic idea of like attending film school, I also had some very interesting thoughts about how I would do that, how I'd approach it, the kind of projects that I would work on. So I'm not going to give that information away. That's, you know, valuable information. You know, I ain't no dummy, as I told you, all you know, theater arts graduate, you know, Fucking 19 plus years of banging it out, dressing up like a dog. Some of my earlier gigs, I was dressing up like a dog. Bow, wow, wow, and woof, 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 and this is how I talk. (laughs) Dressing up like a fucking dog, rolling around doing kids' plays and shit, you know? Banging it out at these fucking open mics. You know, I've been through hell and back as a performer, right? Janitor. Extraordinaire. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I'm not just going to give away my ideas, but... um. That's what was happening. I had put together the financial resources in order to move forward with some career endeavors. Film school. Well, the reality is education can be pricey and sometimes unnecessary, you know? Unless you're dealing with like heavy math or like science, most jobs really just come down to reading and writing comprehension and salesmanship. Like unless it's a job that's dependent upon, you know, do you know physics? Do you know math? Do you know science? Unless it's like one of those type of jobs it really just comes down to reading and writing comprehension and salesmanship can you fucking read and write can you execute a thought can you communicate like that's what a job usually is so it's like you know i don't believe that furthered education is the end all and be all but sometimes if you want to be a trades person hey, you will benefit. Well, number one, it's like an industry standard for safety reasons. Like, you can't just become a plumber or an electrician, any old swinging dick. Like, you have to get properly trained for industry-regulated safety reasons, right? So, to a degree, similar, similar situation in film, you know? If you want to get into film legitimately... It's not such a head spacey blah 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 way, you know. It's it's like a trade, learning how to set up the camera, uh, camera operation, lighting operation, you know, things that are very hands on, trade like that. If you go out and learn through further education, it's a benefit, you know. It's like a fast track lane into that industry. Sure, it's all about experience and you can just go learn on yourself, by yourself. But getting the proper training, you become a part of a group, you know, you meet people, you become involved in a scene, and you get real hands-on training that, you know, if you can afford it, is worthwhile. And some of these film... uh Schools were, like, really gouging me, really pricing me out. Like, I was priced out of a lot of them, right? But then I came across this one uh, film school that seemed to be in line with what I was trying to do, you know? Because everything else was, like, $20,000 a semester, you know? Like, no, I can't do that. But then I came across, like, this other film school trade school you know you learn the trade of film how to you know from the lighting the you know the whole kit and caboodle eight month training course you know six grand six thousand dollars i'm thinking boom yeah word you know i could just pay it off no student loan needed got the money pay for it and then it's like now you got real world training to go into the film industry on a producer-filmmaker angle. I've been going at it as a performer, which is great, but I wanted to try the producer-filmmaker angle to have a little bit more control over my product, right? Get that training. Well, everything from the start was very... Negative. And sometimes when you don't want to let go, you don't want to let go of a situation, you will blind yourself to the reality of a situation. Because as I as I mentioned, like film schools, unfortunately, they prey on the the attractiveness of of the film industry, a lot of people want to get into film into into performing, but they don't really realize that yo it's work like anything else. This is my fourth attempt at recording Jonathan on the podcast today. I recorded three previous hours that feel felt kind of flimsy, kind of forced. I didn't like them, so this is the fourth attempt. Sometimes I do it on the first attempt. More often than not, about ninety percent of the time, I record on the first attempt. Sometimes it's a clusterfuck, like today. So here we are, like five hours into trying to record this episode. So that's just an that's just an example of how um, it's work. It's not like oh, like sure, it's fun work, but it's work, and you know they prey on that. They prey on the attractiveness of. The La La Land idea of Hollywood. Oh, filmmaking, artistry. They prey on that. So it's like you got these crazy inflated tuitions, right? $20,000 a semester? $20,000 for a fucking, you know, like a 36-week program or whatever, 48-week program? $20,000. Like, what the fuck, right? But it's like, When you are blind to letting go of a situation, sometimes you will delude yourself. You know, you will buy into the delusion because it's like, yo, they can lie to you with a smile on their face. We want you. Come here. Yes, we'll we want you. You're wanted. Just pay us $20,000 a semester and you can be a filmmaker. You know, they can come at you with smiles and lies, you know, or they can come at you with frowns and lies. Okay, yeah, whatever, $6,000, take our course. So that's what I was experiencing and that's what I was blinding myself to because I had investigated taking a film course that was like, you know, $20,000 a semester. Oh my God, I couldn't afford it. I was priced out of it. And but they came at me with all sorts of smiles. Oh, hi, Jonathan. Nice to meet you. So, um, the program starts at 17.5, and it's a very comprehensive blah 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 so for what you want me to spend $20,000 to learn how to set up a couple lights, you know, pull a fucking camera into focus, use a fucking editing software, like what $20,000, blow it up your fucking butthole, buddy. Don't need it. I'll, I'll, I'll look into something else. So I find a different program. Okay, $6,000 a semester. Sounds good. So I email the, uh, the head of the department, the head of the film department at this college. And he sends me back an email, very kind of arrogant very kind of flimsy and dismissive. That's me being blind to the situation. Because I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm the paying customer. I'm the potential student. You can't even feign a sense of like respect or appreciation for my inquiry into your program. Just, oh yeah, here's the information, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Whatever. Oh I'm sorry, did I ruffle the artists? Did I did I did I disturb the artistic process? Is my inquiry into your fucking uh your into your program a an annoyance to you? So anyways, I'm blind to the fact. I, I just I'm just seeing what I wanna see, right? I go, okay, well, okay, this is the information and in six grand. Yeah, I can swing six grand, no problem. Okay, yeah, 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 of course, yes, 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 please, 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 right? So they have an open house. And during this open house, um, if you're unfamiliar with that term, it's basically like, you know, when a educational institute opens their doors, open house, and you can come and check out the facility, talk to the heads of the department, Get some information on the school and the programs An open house. So, first of all, they did a piss poor job of advertising it. The only reason why I found out about the open house was I randomly stumbled upon it when I was like, you know, reading on their website about different. Um, like basically their, their website didn't even really promote it. It's like, it was like in very small print. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. What, what does that say? Like, I, I, I just kind of sighed. I just kind of noticed it when I was like reading one of their web pages. It Wasn't even very well, you know, promoted. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to this open house. I get down to the open house that day. And, you know, it was just in the air. It was in the air, the negativity, man. Like, it was a shitty, cold, gray day. I woke up and I recorded a podcast, coincidentally, you know. Woke up, recorded a podcast, dipped down to the school. So I get to the school and, you know, I'm looking around. Not very many people there. Just kind of, you know, desolate. It just looked slapped together, uninspired, just a kind of a negative feeling to it. But the people were very kind. I mean, there was this young girl, she came up and she go, oh, hi, how are you? What are you looking for? I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for the film department. Okay, sure, I'll take you there. And she takes me and, you know, she's, she's telling me, you know, yes, I'm in school for uh, social work and da 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 And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm just looking at her, right? And, I'm looking at the campus. I'm like, this is just a money grab. This is just like a delusion that they're selling for, you know, people of modest means. You know? You too can be somebody if you go to school. We'll sell you a dream. There's nothing going on here. You could just tell. It's just like this, this dummy fucking mock-up of higher learning, right? I'm just I'm like this is just some shit fucking f-rate, fucking d-rate, f-rate, fucking z-rate fucking college, right? I'm like looking around at this dump. She takes me to the film department. And um I walk into the room and there's the head of the department. He's sitting down eating lunch. The girl introduces me. Oh, so-and-so, this is Jonathan. He was looking for the film department, blah, blah, blah. The guy goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we're sorry, we're just having lunch. I'm like, oh, okay, that's uh, that's cool, sorry. Um, Did I interrupt? I can always come back. The guy goes, oh, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine. First of all, don't say it's fine if it's not fine he obviously seemed a little disturbed, irritated by my presence interrupting his lunch. Which is odd, seeing as he's the salesman for the program. You think he would have jumped up and sucked my dick? Oh, thank you. Thank you for showing interest in our shitty program. Like, you think he would have, but no. Oh, yeah, no problem. I just sorry I was in the middle of lunch. Let me pack this up. Secondly, it was 1.15 in the p.m. If you've ever lived one day on this planet, what time do people go for lunch? Noon. 12. 12 p.m. Everybody knows that, you fucking dummy. It's 1.15 in the p.m., it's an open house day where you are entertaining guests to potentially enroll in your program. You're laying about eating lunch at 1.15? I specifically came after lunch because that's common sense. In the working world, in the North American working world, it is known, generally speaking, 12 o'clock noon is lunchtime. I could have came at noon but then I thought to myself he'll probably be on lunch. Let me wait till one fifteen. I come at one fifteen. this fucking bozo's eating lunch. Then he has a little pissy hissy fit about it. Oh no. Uh, it's okay. Whatever. Uh, uh, uh. He tidies up his lunch squares it away puts it in his bag and then he's not really looking at me right? He's kind of like eyes down a bit and not really looking at me and it's kind of awkward so then I go um, oh well hey yo it's um, hi my name's is Jonathan uh, we've been speaking over email and he goes oh no yeah yeah no no I know no I, know, I remember you know I know it's you yeah so you're interested in the program are you and You only get one chance to make a good first impression. I don't know. Generally, when you greet people, you look at them. Sure, we shook hands and everything, but it was all very... Actually, I don't even think we did shake hands. He was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So take a seat. You're interested in the program, are you? He's not even looking at me, and it's just like, yo, dude. This is weird. Generally speaking, when people introduce themselves, they make eye contact. Hello, I'm so- and so. you What were you born in a barn? right? So I'm like, okay. So we sit down, we start talking about the program. Then I ask, I go um, I go, okay, so you know, this is the program. I see what it offers. I'm interested. So could you please tell me um, what kind of job prospects? do graduates usually find waiting for them after graduation? What kind of job prospects do your graduates immediately take hold of? Like, what's readily available? You know, logical question, right? I'm trying to see, you know, what the success rate is, what the employment rate is. I mean, what is waiting on the other end, right? He goes, oh, well, you know, it all depends. Uh, it all depends. It all depends. You know, it depends on where you want to work your way into. And, he, and he's and he got this girl with him. She's like also a graduate, right? She's there as his assistant. And she goes, yeah, you know, it depends. Um, you know, generally how it works in film is um, you... You know, you go and you work on, you know, as like a grip or like a production assistant or like food services or, you know, just you work on a lower end, lower end of the totem pole type position. And then you work your way up to like, you know, wherever you want to find yourself. Well, no shit. I could have fucking told you that. Like you start from the beginning. Like what other, what job do you not start in the beginning? That's not the question. The question is, what jobs are available? Yeah, I know that it's... Yeah, I know you can become anything. Anything's possible. No shit. But what jobs do your graduates readily get after graduation? What is waiting? What is the general trajectory? Don't give me this wishing and hoping and praying and maybe shit. What actually happens? Of course, I don't say that, right? I'm just like, okay, yeah. Okay, so common sense bullshit that I already know. Okay, good, good information. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So then he goes in with, um, and this is where I first really got sort of annoyed. Fear. He already was kind of dismissive when he greeted me. He avoided the basic question of like, yo, what kind of jobs are available? And then the next selling point of his was fear. So how old are you? You're in like your 30s, right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh yeah, well, you know, now's the time to get onto it if you want to get into it. You know, you're young and you know, but you know, you're in your 30s, you're young, but Now's the time to really make that move. You don't want any more time to go by because if you don't act now, then you know, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you can't be old in, um, you can't get old and expect to get work. You know, like that would be like me trying to become a tennis pro at at my age. He's like he was like an older man, right? Like I don't know, maybe, maybe late fifties or something. He goes you don't want to see me trying to become a, you're not going to see me trying to become a tennis pro at my age. And I'm like, well, those are two different things. I mean, like, sports is heavily dependent upon age. Aside from talent, it's a very age, Um. there's, age is a major factor in a sports career. There's no denying that. After a certain age, it's just, it's just the reality of age. He goes, Well, sort of with film, too, because, like, at a certain age, you can't be, like, you know, making films and doing. It's like, making films and doing films past a certain age? Clint Eastwood is, like, what, 92? He's directing films still? I'm from a laboring background, buddy. I ain't no fucking dummy suburbanite fucking entitled little fucking rich boy, all right? I'm from the back-breaking labor of the fucking gutter class, you fucking dummy. I'm on a chain gang, fool. If I don't do something, I'm gonna be humping fucking patio bricks up flights of stairs, digging holes, digging ditches. You know, that's the type of shit I've been used to and I see. I see people doing this type of work in their late 60s. Banging it out on a construction site, swinging a hammer, digging a ditch at like fucking sixty plus age years of age, and in the janitorial racket, you know, I I, I work with men and women who are like well into their fifties, mid sixties. I know I know janitors that are like sixty years old pushing a mop bucket. <laughs> <laughs> trying to fucking push a mop bucket at 60 plus years of age you give it a try so don't give me this dummy bozo shit that making a film is so fucking hard past the age of fucking 30 right i ain't no fucking dummy buddy but of course i just conceded right i'm just like oh, okay yeah sure whatever you say i guess you must be right I'm not in a position to argue, right? So then, um, you know. Oh yeah, and also, what fucking struck me is funny. It's like totally going off of fear, totally discounting what I'm saying to him. You know. Um. Well, I am a graduate of a theater arts diploma. I am a stand-up comedian actor writer of sorts i'm gigging i got a podcast do i sound like a person who waits i was born ready you fucking bozo so it's like i've been banging it out buddy and i'm just riding the path that is for me to ride but in terms of like oh i got cold feet Oh, I don't want to make a decision. Oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait. Ah, ah. Hopefully somebody will just walk up and give me an opportunity. I'm going to wait. Ah. That's not how I fucking roll, buddy. Like, are you even listening to me? You're just trying to run me with fear, right? So, you know, then when he finds out that I'm a comedian, he does the typical shit where it's like, the typical arrogant bullshit where people who want to um they want to control the fact they 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 want to get competitive with you, like, oh so you think you're funny, huh? So, you know, he's obviously a very kind of negative person, motivated by fear. So he's just saying all this negative shit, negative shit, negative shit, and I'm laughing it up, right? Because I'm just I was like, well, I'm not going to buy into it. Like, oh, what? I'm supposed to feel shame or fear because I'm 33 years old, you know? And he's like, you know, trying to run that fear game with me, right? Oh, you're, you know, time's running out for you. You're practically an old man, 33, right? And I'm like, (laughs) whatever, right? I'm laughing it off. And he thinks he's being funny, right? So you can see like, hey, you know, I'm making the comedian laugh. Hey, he's getting all inflated, right? And I'm like, okay, okay. I, I, you know, it's like, nothing speaks like experience. Nothing speaks like experience, buddy. I've met plenty of bozos like you before. Hey, I'm funnier than the comedian. huh? And he's, he's feeling himself, right? Saying all this negative shit. It's not even jokes. I'm just laughing at the absurdity of a fucking, a department head of a college. This pathetic attempt he has to try to sell or pitch me his program it's a complete bomb right i'm just like what a waste of my time why did i even come here and so i'm just kind of like laughing at his negative fucking outlook finally you know he's getting to feeling himself and he he says a joke i forget what the joke is but you know he's like so you know doing that is much like doing this it's blah 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 and he, he makes that face that everybody makes when they think they're being funny. Like when they're trying to tell a joke to a comedian, they they, they set up the joke, they set up the joke, they set up the joke, and then they hit their punchline. So something happened and something happened and something happened and... Rah, hits the punchline, right? I'm just like... Then <laughs> you see the wind just go out of his face, right? <gasps> who's afraid now you fucking bozo so then um, you know the whole little session ends and we go to shake hands now everybody who's lived a day in this world knows the flow of a handshake you know what I mean Let's say there's a group of people, you stand up, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. Done, right? But he's this arrogant person who must be in control. As I mentioned, he had an assistant with him, this young lady. And, you know, they were both answering some of my questions. She was very much a part of the conversation as well. So now comes time to shake hands and we stand up and we go to shake hands. And I shake his hand and before I can go to shake her hand, he starts talking and talking and talking and dumb, stupid stuff that makes no sense, and just trying to hold my attention for no reason. And yeah, you know, just make sure to email me and call me and email me and call me, and um, you can always check in with me and blah 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 blah. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's been cold out lately, isn't it? Yeah, the weather has been really weird, and uh, yeah, it might be raining tomorrow, but I heard it's gonna be sunny over the weekend. And blah blah blah, just talking nonsense at me, trying to hold my attention. Oh blah 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 blah. blah. Yo, buddy, the obvious sequence in a shaking of hands situation, you shake hands, you shake hands, you say the parting bullshit, then you're out of there. But I knew. I knew what he was trying to do was like, he's the he's the person in charge of the situation, and he's going to dictate the flow of how I shake hands and when I shake hands, or she doesn't deserve a handshake, or she's just his underling. She doesn't deserve a handshake or whatever the fuck. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, yo, I'm shaking your hand. She's standing there waiting for me to shake her hand. Let me just shake her fucking hand and then go on with the rest of the fucking business, right? So he's trying to hold my attention. Blah, 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 Talking at me. So I'm just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, it was nice to meet you too, miss. I shake her hand. And then I'm like, okay, cool. So, um, yeah. And then as I'm leaving... He's like talking at me. I'm like, I'm like, he's like, yeah, so uh, make sure to give me a call next week if you have any questions and, uh, you know, and if you have any questions, uh, just don't feel free to give me a call. And I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm a fucking full room's length away from him. I'm like, I'm on the other side of the room and I'm like looking over the back of my shoulder. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, right, right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And he's, like, oh, uh, and make sure to send me an email and he's like talking at me as I'm leaving. Then I leave. And this is all things that I realize or I embellish in hindsight. Because at the time, I was just blinded by what I wanted. You know, I wasn't willing to let go. In the moment, I was like, um, you know, oh shit, like, um, you know, like, You know, this is obviously a really kind of a negative dude. I don't really feel his vibe. He even said something like this. He goes, well, if you want to survive in the film industry, sometimes you got to be like Donald Trump. Like, yeah, that's how it is. I hate to say it, but sometimes if you want to survive in the film industry, you got to be like Donald Trump. I'm like, what? Like grab a film intern by the pussy? Like, what do you mean be like Donald Trump in the film industry? Huh? bribe Ukraine to make a fucking film with me or else I'm going to fucking withhold my fucking, you know... fucking, I don't know, pierogi budget that I'm going to bestow upon them or whatever the fuck, you know? Like, what do you mean be like Donald Trump? Like, he was just saying all this stupid, inflammatory, negative shit trying to run me on fear, but I was so blinded by what I wanted, I was just like, well, it's the only film program that I can find in my budget the times line up with my schedule. Maybe I should just take it. I have to take it. I have to take it, right? Blinded. Blinded by what I want. And that's what I've been coming to terms with this past week on Jonathan Ramshaw on the podcast. The idea of letting go. It finally hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, yo... I know I've been working very hard. I know I had my sights set on, you know, taking a film production program. But this just is not the right fit for me. I've been blinded by what my wants and desires are. And I have to learn how to let go. Let go of the situation this is not the program for me. And, you know, it was a kick to the ego because it's like, well, if I'm not, you know, I've paid off my student loan. My idea was to go to film school, but if now I'm not going to film school, then, well, what am I doing? I'm just a janitor then? Is that what I'm doing? You know? And that's what I was battling with this whole fucking week. I'm like, there's no point in me being at work. Like, what am I doing here? just pushing a mop bucket. But then, you know, it's like, well, I got to thinking, you know, hey, you know what? You set yourself up for this because you were not willing to let go. You were blinded by your own ego. And I was also getting ahead of myself as if I'm above being a janitor. You know, that's the whole reason why I talk about being a janitor. It's because I'm not above it. Who am I to be anything? You know what I mean? That's the humility that I've been seeking through my recovery. And who are you to be anything other than what you are? Who am I to be anything other than who I am and to accept what is in front of me? And the humility to know when to let go of a situation. Knowing when to let go of a situation. So moving forward, I feel very blessed. You know, I am debt free. I have humble, considerable savings. I'm employed full time. I'm an actor, stand up comedian, gigging performer with endless possibilities. I was so blinded by what I wanted and I was so unable to let go that it didn't occur to me that there's other opportunities. There's other film schools I could go to or I can continue just learning as I have been learning, self-taught. I could do so many other things and it was just all falling down around me this past week. I was just like, holy fuck, Like, what am I going to do? It was either this or nothing at all. I felt so trapped. And then I realized, yo, I was just blind to the situation. I was not letting go. And I got to have the humility to know when to let go and the gratitude for what is happening and just keep plowing forward. And that is relatable across all industry, whatever you're doing. And it's been, it's been a blessing for me to speak on this matter. It was a very um, theme-based edition of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. I hope it helped. It definitely helped me. And I'm just going to keep moving forward. Very grateful for the show. Very grateful for you, dear audience. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramchuran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent February 15th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Letting go. I'm gonna beat you over the head with it one more time. Letting go. So key. So key in order to find yourself, to be aware of life's challenges, to be flexible. To be in the now. Letting go. Hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com You got any questions? You got any queries? You got any qualms? You have any insight into what I've been talking about here in terms of letting go? Please do hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. You live it. You love it. You realize it. I. Peace.